Hi, and thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Red-Headed Preacher podcast. I'm the Red-Headed Preacher. My name is Richard Lanford, and I am honored to be the pastor of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, Illinois. This Sunday's message was preached on Sunday, July 3rd, 2022, the Sunday before Independence Day is celebrated, and I do preach a bit about that. Uh, But I'm guided especially by a phrase from the reading from Galatians about reaping what we sow and uh, about freedom and our freedoms and what are we sowing, both as a church and as a country in our context. So uh, the readings are already listed if you had a chance to uh, see the text about this, our That's really all I want to share with you. This, I can mention briefly that in the past couple of weeks, I've talked about how tough some of these sermons were to write. This one took me a while also, but it was not as hard uh, internally. And uh, I just made sure that I really wanted to say what I'm saying. And, uh, you know, revisiting something after putting it to bed. So, um, So I tweaked a few things as I often do. But this one just, for those of us who, you know, for those of you who are thinking, man, he really has a hard time writing sermons. This one was not as hard as the last several. (laughs) So um, I'm encouraged whether that gives you any encouragement for me or not. And uh, before we conclude our little introduction together, I invite you to join me in uh, a spirit of prayer. Holy God, further away than the most distant planet, yet closer than our very breathing. Be with us now when we listen to the scriptures, to the message, even if it's chopped up in five minutes here and seven minutes there. Whenever we do have a chance to get back to it or listen, may your spirit move. May what we hear grant us a blessing and maybe a blessing we can share with others in conversation. This time we dedicate to you, and we give you thanks. In the name of Christ, the Word made flesh. Amen. And now our readings. Our first reading is 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. This is an event to which Jesus in Luke 4 calls his fellow Nazarene worshipers to recall In a sermon he preached on the Isaiah passage, he said was fulfilled in their hearing. They did not approve. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now, the Arameans, on one of their raids, had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord just what the girl from the land of Israel had said. And the king of Aram said, Go then, and I will send along a letter to the king of Israel. Naaman went, taking with him ten talents of silver, 
6,000 shekels of gold and 10 sets of garments. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent you my servant Naaman, that you may cure him of leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give life and death, that this man sends word to me to cure this man of leprosy? Just look and see how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a message to him saying, Go, wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became angry and went away, saying, I thought that he, I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and he would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Pafar, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters in Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned away and went in a rage. But his servants approached him and said, Father, if the prophet has commanded you to do something difficult, would you have not done it? How much more when all he said to you was, wash and be clean. So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. This ends the reading from 2 Kings. Our epistle lesson is Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. After spending a lot of time of the letter explaining law, grace, freedom, and life in the flesh versus life in the spirit, now the Apostle Paul applies some of this life in the spirit to how believers are to act in community. My friends, if anyone is detected in transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their work. Then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. Those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teacher. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for you reap what you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corrupt corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time, if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those in the family of faith. This ends the reading from the epistle. Today it is Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 11 and 16 through 20. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him 
in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of the wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborers deserve to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who they are, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you, listens to me, and whoever rejects you, rejects me, and whoever rejects me, rejects the one who has sent me. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. And he said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this. The Spirit submits to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Here ends the reading from Luke and the scriptures for today's service. May God bless us as we think about what we have heard, the word of God for the people of God. Cornfields across America are growing high and higher. Knee high by the 4th of July, as the saying goes. Of course, this assumes that the farmers have planted good seed, and I hope then not with elements of Monsanto's Roundup because that has had stuff in it that's caused cancer. It also assumes they planted corn uh, because, as we know, there is a correlation between what is planted and the harvest that is gathered. Sow corn, reap corn. The Apostle Paul uses sowing and reaping as a metaphor for a cool life lesson. Want to know where you'll be in five or ten years? Want to know how happy you might be down the road? Ask yourself, what are you sowing? On Independence Day weekend, remembering that the seed was planted for America to ultimately claim or harvest that all people are created equal. It behooves us as followers of Jesus and people who care about this country to ask what is America sowing? What is St. Peter's United Church of Christ sowing? Can we see scripture in the seeds, good news in the seeds, and therefore the harvest? One of the things I like about our other two Bible passages this morning is that they both include healing. Healing by the Son or servants of God for the glory of God and at no cost. 
Naaman's story is especially intriguing in our current context. Not the least because, as Jen reminded us, Jesus invoked this part of Jewish history in Luke 4 as he elaborated on his message from Isaiah that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him to bring good news to the poor and let the oppressed go free, bring in the year of the Lord's favor, etc. And Jesus also referred to Elijah going to a widow in Zarephath of Sidon and making sure she is fed and her son during a famine which also included Israel. As we heard, Naaman was a highly respected general of the Arameans. We can presume that Aram was not friendly with Israel since Aram took captive a young Israelite woman and enslaved her to his wife. Long story short, as we heard it, Naaman goes to Elisha for a cure for his skin disease. Calls it leprosy. Leprosy in scripture can be a term that might not mean just exactly that disease. Can be interpreted as something of, of a family. And he is healed once he swallowed his pride and did what the prophet told him to do. There's a sermon in that, but not today. As Jesus said in Luke 4, there were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Jesus' message was that the grace of God is not and never was limited to Israel. God has a special relationship with Israel, of course, but they do not own God. Rather, their God, big picture, we know there are parts in the Hebrew scriptures that are pretty tough on other nations, but the big picture of God is of an inclusive and welcoming God. We know in parts of the Old Testament that Israel was to be a light to the Gentiles and bring them to the worship of Yahweh. When Jesus preached, in effect, that the Messiah, his Messiahship, was not just for Israel, but for others also, his listeners blew a gasket. And they tried to, literally, this is the quote, tried to hurl him off a cliff. They wanted to kill him because he said, hey, I'm not coming just for y'all. What? Healing Naaman was part of the lesson for Israel to have learned. Jesus had to point it out to them anyway, most There is no most favored nation status anymore. Whosoever will may come. And if you ever look at the stained glass window above our Oakton Street doors, it's Jesus opening his arms with that quote. And those windows are there in memory of the Reverend Kenneth Taylor. Well, that was meant to be a seed for Israel to have been sowing. And Jesus had not given up on this happening yet. It was, however, at the synagogue, a most unwelcome message. And in some ways, it is today, notably as we prepare to celebrate Independence Day. Back to an earlier question. What are we sowing here at Laramie and Oakton? Certainly, a more welcoming and non-prejudicial harvest than what Jesus found in his hometown synagogue. Like, we can't sow a harvest, but you get the harvest after you've sown. So, 
But is this what is being broadly sown in these United States? In parts of it, I truly believe the answer is yes, it is. And for that, let us give thanks and praise. Yet Jewish history lets us know the the exclusivism that Jesus grew up with and what he encountered whenever he reached out the walls of acceptability. I see some planting similar seeds of just us, intolerance, fear, or hatred of the other. I cringe when I hear some in the media refer to Christian nationalism, or worse, white Christian nationalism. I've even heard the phrase religious fanatics in reference to Christians And it originated in referring to a recent Supreme Court decision, Roe v. Wade. It bears lifting up in our scriptural context because we've seen it in our own context, I mean. It's bordering on ironic that we are going to celebrate Independence Day and freedom from the rule of kings and a distant parliament right when we are learning more and more about how we almost lost our independence on January 6th last year, when the voice of the people expressed in votes were about to be and were meant to be thrown out for an autocratic coup. So it's ironic we're celebrating independence, and yet, you know, many of those involved in that thought that they were doing God's will. Once the Senate chamber had been temporarily claimed in the violent resurrection, the QAnon shaman led those gathered in a prayer that ended in Jesus' name. Jesus. Do you know who you're talking about, supposedly talking to in prayer? Where is the welcome of the other and the prophet basically declaring there is no favored nation or most favored nation in the eyes of God? Where is the Holy Spirit of discernment of truth from lies, or Paul, who taught us as well as Jesus to do good to all. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. Exchanging our democratic republic, for which people have fought and died and prayed over for almost 250 years for an autocracy, tearing up the principle that the government is accountable to the votes of the people, is what we came awfully close to. Lincoln's words that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth, would be trotted out only in service to George Orwell's Ministry of Truth from 1984. What seeds is that event, that planning, that obstruction of justice so far up to this point, because I'm not saying it ended, what seeds are being sown? even on Independence Day. It offends me to, that some conflate Christianity with fanaticism, with whiteness, with nationalism, with violence, and threatened loss of freedoms which can and do save lives. It offends me that some carry the cross and then plan how to remove freedoms from those who do not look like them, believe like them, vote like them, or speak like them. 
But clearly those seeds have been sown for decades, if not centuries. If we value our real religious freedom, as well as the furtherance of agape love, the common good through social and economic fairness, then the church must pay attention to where we want to be in five or ten years and check that the seeds we sow, doing good to all, as Paul said, can result in that harvest of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit, peace, love, joy, kindness, gentleness, and so on, and eternal life. Now someone mentioned to me this week that more persons, because of what's recently happening, more persons will associate anyone bearing the name Christian to be like those who get A's in judgmentalism and fanaticism, but F's in compassion, reaching out to the least of these, caring for God's creation, and truly understanding one's bodily autonomy, or where women are who do not want to be or cannot survive being pregnant. Those not familiar with our gospel of God's forgiving and patient love will be turned away. They'll be turned off. And before giving us and the, the gospel a chance, because we're Christian and, you know, Christians are intolerant. Stuff on my Facebook feed made me want to unfriend some of the people because it was just this stuff. Christians are fanatics. And, you know, it's stuff I, I didn't bring up to quote to you because it would just get all of us riled up. This is not what St. Peter's United Church of Christ believes. Not that we all believe the same thing on every point that I've just lifted up. We understand that. This is not what St. Peter's and other believers are, though, or want to be our rep, who we are. Now, those seeds have been sown in places, though, on a weekend and tomorrow when America celebrates our freedoms and the expansion of these liberties since 1776. Let us remember that as people of Christ, we're not interested in a theocracy. We are interested in the fruits by which we are known, living in a land and worshiping in churches which bear them. The fruits of the Spirit. Let us see, to the best of our God-given ability, that this America and freedom, it depends partly on us, on the Naamans we help, the healing we offer on our journeys, and the seeds of God's grace-filled spirit, which we are privileged to sow. Because when you've got bad grass and good grass and you want to get rid of the bad grass, the seeds to sow are those of the better good seed. They will crowd out the bad grass over time. So let us pay attention to what we sow and do what we can by the seeds we sow and the harvest that we reap under God help the whole place, the place we live, continue where it is to be sowing good seed to do more and more and more of that for the harvest that will be to the glory of God. Amen. I think that the thought that will stick with me the longest was the beginning. Where do you want to be in five years or so? Where does the church want to be? And as I get further along into my life, uh, that's a very good question. 
And am I doing anything? Am I sowing any of the seeds for anything specific to grow, to be ready to reap, to be harvested in two, three, five or more years? I got to do some thinking about that. But of course, I expanded the application beyond church, uh, but for church people and for what we are sowing and reaping, hopefully for the benefit of the world. And I'll be, uh, I'll give credit where credit is due. It was our office manager and podcast engineer, Laura Olson, who said to me in a brief conversation, well, maybe not so brief, about the sermon that, you know, people are hearing a lot of tough stuff about Christianity that's really only aimed a fraction of there was bearing the name Christian. And, uh, but the, the broad brush that's applied by those folks and the media can hurt all of us who bear that name. And it doesn't mean people are going to exercise discernment between, oh, not those Christians. So, credit to her for giving me that application for the sermon. So the good seeds, may God bless your week. Bye. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to the Red-Headed Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much 